And his opponent across the ring, fighting out of the red corner, really needing no introduction the world over, wearing blue trunks with white and red trim, widely recognized as one of boxing's all-time greatest. Please welcome the fighting congressman and boxing's pride of the Philippines, introducing the one and only Manny Pac-Man And welcome to a very special edition of Showtime Boxing with Raskin and Mulvaney with my co-host Eric Raskin. I am Kira Mulvaney and this is part one of a special two-part look back at the career of all-time great and future first ballot Hall of Famer Manny Pacquiao. With the help of journalists, publicists, trainers, referees and more, we will revisit 10 key fights in Pacquiao's career from his explosive US debut to his final win. Next week, in part two, we'll cover the years 2009 to 2019 and Pacquiao's evolution from superstar to bona fide legend. But we begin by looking at how Pacquiao rose to the status of superstar in the first place, beginning with the evening of June 23, 2001, when he made his U.S. debut on the undercard of an HBO pay-per-view featuring Oscar De La Hoya versus Javier Castillejo. Pacquiao was not exactly a rookie. He entered the ring with a professional record of 32-2 and and a brief reign as a flyweight titleist, but he was virtually unknown outside of the hardest of hardcore observers. And it was his opponent, South African 122-pound belt holder Lelo Ledwaba, who had been gaining plaudits and was favored to keep his crown. Dan Raphael, the boxing writer for USA Today at the time, was ringside in Las Vegas for Pacquiao's coming out party. Lidwaba was definitely the favorite going into the Pacquiao fight for, I think, multiple reasons. One, he was the champion. He was the guy that had already established himself. He was making like his sixth defense when he fought Pacquiao. Lidwaba was supposed to fight uh, a fighter named Enrique Sanchez, who was a former WBA champion at the 122-pound weight class. He had been in some exciting fights on um, on television, some on Spanish language television, but it was it was perceived as like this is a solid good fight uh you know for that for that pay-per-view undercard and he got hurt you know what three weeks before the fight two weeks before the fight whatever it was and pacquiao who had come to los angeles looking had come to san francisco actually on vacation had taken a trip down to la uh was looking for a a, you know somebody to work out with and perhaps a new trainer as he was going to try to come to the united states also found freddie roach they worked out for like two weeks together and Manny was going to go back to the Philippines. Uh, it turned out, you know, when he, when he, right before he left, they got the call that, you know, would you be interested in the fight? If that had Pacquiao left, you know, a day or two before 
Well, like the original plan was they would have gotten that phone call and he would have been already home and there would have been no championship fight against Adwaba. As it turned out, you know, two weeks after working with Freddie, they got this opportunity. They went to Vegas, big underdogs. Uh, there is no doubt that within a few seconds of the start of that fight that you thought to yourself, okay, this is not going to go well for Mr. Ledwaba. First of all, my recollection being ringside was, did anybody tell him he was fighting a southpaw? Because he kept walking into Manny's left hand. And obviously, if you're going to train for a left-handed fighter, granted, it was on short notice. But if you're thinking about fighting a left-handed fighter, it would behoove you to, you know, maybe go the other direction or at least mix things up a little bit. But he kept walking into that punch. Got his, his nose got busted up. Pacquiao just, just laid a beating on him, dropped him, you know, and ended up stopping him in the sixth round in a fight that was not just like he, you know, he lost and it was a close fight. He got stopped. He lost every single round. I mean, it was shockingly one-sided and a revelation of just, you know, where did this guy Pacquiao come from? I know a lot of people had never heard of him. Uh, there were a few of us at ringside that knew who he was, but again, not not thinking that that's the level of what he's going to do. Short notice, first fight in the United States with a new trainer, an established champion as his opponent who'd made several defenses that looked really good in several of his fights, including in his previous fight on live HBO. And, uh, you know, he just, Manny came in there and just destroyed the guy and kind of turned everything upside down. I think my sense after the fight was a combination of thinking, wow, that was a horrendous performance from Ledwaba. And wow, Manny Pacquiao might really be something special to watch. Now, keep in mind, I was a big Ludwaba guy going into that fight. I had written a couple articles about him and I was working at USA Today at that time. I had written a couple articles about him uh, when he had fought on the Lennox Lewis undercard. I was excited that he was coming over to fight in the United States and be on a big Oscar card. You know, I had spoken to the to the different uh, executives at HBO about it. They knew uh, that I liked him a lot. They kind of teased me about it. And so when he came to the United States and he's now on the card, I'm there ringside. I'm thrilled because I'm seeing a guy that I really liked and was exciting and interesting and all that. And when he lost the fight to Manny Pacquiao, I will never forget this. It was like, it was on the undercard, but there was a little bit of time between the end of that fight and the main event. It was literally like a funeral procession at my ringside seat. Like people were coming by, oh man, I'm sorry your guy lost. What are you gonna do? I mean, he lost the fight. I mean, didn't make me not a fan of his, but Pacquiao turned out to be something extra super special. You know, Pacquiao, you know, starting with that fight, and went on to show the greatness. But the other thing about Manny Pacquiao was what a joy to cover. Just exciting, always, always pleasant to deal with from the from the media perspective, never condescending. Never I never saw him lose his temper. I never heard him say a curse word. Just a gentleman, a humble, and when the bell rings, man, what a fighter. And uh, you know, to be there when it all started was a real privilege. After exploding onto the scene with the win over Ladwaba, Pacquiao underlined his status as a destructive force two and a half years later with a dominant 11th round stoppage of Mexican legend Marco Antonio Barrera. But it was his next fight against Barrera's fellow Mexican Juan Manuel Marquez that established what would become the defining rivalry of his career, spanning four fights over eight years. Had it not been for referee Joe Cortez, however, the rivalry might have been over after Pacquiao dropped Marquez three times in the very first round of that first encounter on May 8th, 2004. Here is the Hall of Fame referee. In boxing, you gotta remember one thing. You need, a, you need a partner to be considered a great fighter. You can't be great by yourself. You need a dance partner. And Pacquiao, Marquez, was definitely the partners for each other to make history for themselves. To me, it was one of my one of my better fights as a referee because uh, 
I think I changed the history on boxing that night by not stopping it when Marcus goes down three times in the first round. I mean, Bob Arum said it best that had I stopped the fight, fight two, three, and four would have never occurred. And each one of those fights were really great fights. A fight that fans will never forget, especially Marquez hitting the canvas three times in the first round. I think 99.9% of the referee would have stopped it when he went down the third time because you say to yourself, this guy is definitely outclassed. He has nothing for Pacquiao. I mean, why should I let it go any further? He's uh, he's getting his butt beat all over the ring. You know, so yes, most referees would have stopped it. And because of sometimes uh, the referees will say that safety is first. I'd rather stop at a point too soon than a point too late. They probably would have went with that theory. But I saw something a little different. Maybe me being an ex-fighter and knowing that it was uh, the first round, it was a great condition, and he was no 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 palooka. This guy had been around. One one and market was around for a while. He knew his boxing. And I said, yeah, I took all of that into consideration. But it was more the reaction on his face that led me to know that I'm not ready to go, ref. So I, let, I started to count. I started to count. When I started counting, he got up. He saw that I was waving it off. So he got up, and then uh, the rest was history. I mean, he fought. He finished up that first round. He finished it strong. And two, three, and four, five, six, seven. He kept coming back, coming back. Very competitive fight, but he showed the people that he was a true champion. Nobody would ever even know who Juan Manuel Marquez was after that fight because he would have been history. It's been an honor for me to be part of that of that history in the making in boxing because it's the sport that I love the most. If it wasn't for boxing, who knows where I, where I'd be today, myself. And here we are talking about one of the great ones, and I'm glad I'm part of that history as well. Well, Manny Pacquiao. He had it all. He had the boxing skills. He had the power. He had the the the, the discipline, the uh, experience. He had the whole package to be a great fighter. Definitely Hall of Famer. And I want to be there that day when he gets inducted into the Hall of Fame. Sometimes you don't even realize it until it's over that you you say to yourself, "Wow, I put 20 somebody years in boxing, and I gave it all I had." But all it got to do with the passion that you have. He's addicted to the sport of boxing. Always was, and I think always will be. He'll he'll look at boxing today as a, as a sport to help him help help him to get to get where he's at today. Perhaps even running for the president of uh, the Philippines one day. That's where it does, that's the direction he's heading. And uh, you know he'll probably end up being president. And can you imagine not only being a great fighter, but also turn out to be a great president for the Philippines? That would be amazing. By the time Pacquiao faced yet another Mexican champion, Eric Morales, in March 2005, he'd compiled a record of 39-2-2 and attracted attention as one of the most exciting fighters in the sport. Amazingly, however, the Southpaw had achieved his success with little more than a devastating left hand, relying on raw speed and strength rather than technical proficiency. That proved to be his undoing against the skilled and experienced Morales, who outpointed him over 12 rounds in Las Vegas. That was enough to prompt trainer Freddie Roach to begin plotting the next stage of Pacquiao's evolution. And when the Filipino met Morales in a rematch on January 21, 2006, 
the world caught its first view of a truly two-fisted Pac-Man. It took a few rounds for everything to fall into place, but once it did, Pacquiao was able to exact his revenge in the form of a 10th round stoppage. Roach tells us about this crucial moment in Pacquiao's career. Like I was satisfied with him knocking guys out with the left hand, so I didn't, I didn't even worry about the right hand at all. And then I says, you know what? If I, if I was a good trainer, I would work on both hands, and I, I you know, and make this, make this guy a better fighter. And I just took it upon myself to make myself better, a better trainer. We started working on landing the right hand. So, like we did drills every day. Jab, uppercut, hooks, jab, uppercut, hook, over and over and over again. Because it, all it is is usage. If you use it as much as the other hand, it'll be, it'll become as good as the other hand. And uh, it, it worked very well for us. And uh, of course, we worked on, on the footwork also, the in and out, in and out real quick, make a miss, make him pay. And, uh, you know, whatever I came up with, he, he he liked the idea because he wanted to be better himself. He wanted to, and he wanted to better himself. And I said, you know, being a one-handed fighter isn't isn't enough. I said that's why we lost that that, that fight, and we need to get back to a two two-handed fighter. He picked it up right away, and we just did it over and over again. It, just we need more usage. Use it, use it, use it, and uh, it'll become. It'll, it will develop. You know, because it was it was a new a new game plan and something that uh, you know he was used to in the gym, but he wasn't used to doing it in, in fights so much. And so it was a little awkward at first, and uh, you know it, it let his opponent take, take take control for a little while. But as soon as Manny get get back get back in that system and start using that over and over again, and his footwork in and out, you know, make him miss, make him pay, make him miss, don't stay in the pocket too long. And once we started getting that down, we we had the fight. I think in that fight he knocked him, he finally knocked him down with, with the right hook, and that kind of changed his life right there. First time he knocked somebody out. With his right hook, he was just in heaven right there. Now he had two hands. The body punching was essential in that fight because uh, you know he he hurt him to the head with head shots and so forth. But those body shots, you know, they they last a long time. They stay there for the entire fight, and they don't they don't go home. You know, and that's why the tenth round KO it paid it paid off at the end. It was just a great win and just a great performance. Uh, me and Manny were so happy and all the work that we did to be, become a, be, a better fighter. So then uh, from that point on, we started even getting better and better. And, you know, we again with the footwork and, and the hand coordination and uh, we just became a much better fighter. Now an almost complete fighting machine, Pacquiao continued to rack up wins. A third victory over Morales, a second against Barrera, a split decision win in a rematch with Marquez. And as he did so, the former flyweight continued his march through boxing's lower weight divisions. On June 28, 2008, he took aim at adding a 135-pound belt to his collection. Standing in his way was lightweight titleist David Diaz. Diaz, now retired from boxing for a decade and in business as a part owner of main event real estate in his native Chicago, 
takes us inside the experience of sharing the ring with a prime Manny Pacquiao. I had a dream <laughs> that we beat Manny Pacquiao <laughs> right before the fight. We were fighting and we were going at it. And, uh, and the dream ended. I'm thinking, hey, I won. <laughs> I'm beating this guy. <laughs> so I mentioned that to my wife. Man. I told her, you know what this? She's like, okay, baby, do you know what She's giving me the, yeah, okay, good, good job. You know, that's what you're gonna do, what she's supposed to do, right? And then after, afterwards, it was it was more about like, yeah, I guess that was an incomplete dream, false dream. <laughs> Everybody uh, always asks, man, why'd you take that fight? I'm like, why not? I mean, this guy had just beat Morales, Barrera. Uh, he was coming up in, in weight class. We went to that fight expecting to beat him because we were I felt that I was bigger or stronger and I this was a chance of a lifetime so it's 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 a fight that I wanted as a fighter as a fighter as a professional fighter you're supposed to want these big fights you're not supposed to stay back and, and, and wait for uh, an opponent or somebody to, to, to mess up no you want to fight the best of the best and I did that we wanted to, to uh, smother him and not give him room to, to let off his punches, you know? And that was the plan. That I felt with my conditioning, uh, my uh, will, and, and, and the way I fought before, I would be able to impose myself on Manny and have him fight fight me and, and, and fight. But it, it didn't work out that way. Uh, he ended up moving and sticking. And, and during the fight, you know, I mean, he was hitting me and he took over the fight uh, mentally and physically moving around. And, and he was the more experienced fighter uh, against me. And he ended up doing what he had to do and he won. There's a, there's a picture, one of my friends, uh, Jason McKee from the, from the Bears, he gave me a picture uh, uh, where it shows me hitting Manny Pacquiao, right? And I'm like... <laughs> Now, like, you see, at least me and you know that I had touched the guy at least once. Did I think about quitting? No. no. I, ended, I ended the fight the way I wanted to, either my hand being raised or out on the floor. And it was the latter, but it's part of it. I literally didn't see the punch. Um, I believe I was trying to go to the body, uh, I believe, uh, when I look at the, uh, the film, and it was a lazy jab. It was a lazy jab to the body and countered it, you know, and then uh, fell down face first, woke up and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> hey, that guy was freaking fast and something that I have never seen. Hey, so I have fought in the amateurs, fast guys at Judo and other fighters that, 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 that were pretty fast that I felt real fast, but never to this speed of, of Manny Pacquiao. So did I fight Manny Pacquiao the, 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 at his prime, prime, prime? I, I, I believe so. I think so, and um, I did okay up until the next round. <laughs> I did fight a, a, a great individual person as well, great guy, um, and I fought a superstar. I mean, a guy that, that ended up winning, what was it, eight titles? Eight division, man. I, I, I fought one of the best in the world, and, and, and uh, you know, I, I, I'm okay with it. I'm okay to losing to that guy. You know, <laughs> you got to think about it. 
What did he do after me? He beat De La Hoya, made him quit. He knocked out Ricky Henry. What was it? First, second round. I, I, I didn't do too bad. <laughs> you know, you put it to that perspective. I, I didn't do too bad. You know, I feel blessed that that I was able to share the ring with because the guy's a legend. Uh, and I, my career, I'm also happy of my career where it ended, where I'm at right now. Um, I'm okay. We have a conversation, speak well. We all know how boxing is, and I'm happy. Yeah, I got laid out in the background, but I look back at it now and be like, ah, you know, I'm always thinking like, I should have done this, I should have done that, but then I see his after fights of, of who he fought and how he beat him. I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. I can't complain. With the win over Diaz, Pacquiao had now acquired title belts in five weight classes, from flyweight to lightweight but he wasn't done yet. His next bout would be the one that launched him to stratospheric heights in terms of both in-ring accomplishments and outside the ring recognition. He would move up two weight divisions to welterweight to take on Oscar De La Hoya, who had himself won titles from 130 to 160 pounds and who had for the last seven years been campaigning primarily at junior middleweight. The welterweight contest would pit two of the most popular boxers of the 21st century against each other. It would end the career of one and add rocket fuel to the career of the other. It was the brainchild of HBO's longtime boxing analyst, the now 90-year-old Larry Merchant. I was scrolling my eyes through the ring records and something spoke to me. I, long before that, I had classified Pacquiao as this generation's Henry Armstrong. And it just occurred to me there hadn't been any big monster fights. Both fighters have big fan bases. Uh, The worst that can happen is that Pacquiao would lose and Oscar would win. I did say, I want to see this fight, but if I was a betting man, I'd bet on De La Hoya. And now I've been thinking about it, and it seems that the same formula that made Henry Armstrong such a force of nature. I remember listening on the radio as a kid, they called him the perpetual machine. And that being smaller and quicker was a way of coming to terms with bigger guys. And I thought, hell, it was a fight I'd want to see. And then I told it to uh, Dan Raphael. I told it about him and he laughed. And then I spoke to him and told him some of these things. And he said, oh, well, then I'll I'll run it by uh, the promoters. And he ran it by Bob Arum. And Arum jumped out of his seat and said, yes, because he saw money, of course, and the timing was right, and everybody got on board. It's a game of dollars and cents, and that made all the sense in the world. There was a lot of mismatched talk. Oscar is a much naturally bigger man, although he took off so much weight before the fight, for whatever reasons he had. It was more of a fair match 
than we anticipated. Between the time that I thunk it up, if that's the thing, uh, and spoke to Freddie Roach, who thought that many speed and what he puts into a fight could give Oscar a, a real fight. There was Sports Illustrated writer who panned it, uh, and there were a lot of people, and I understood that. So I was pleasantly surprised that uh, many lived over expectations. One thing I've, I've thought about Manny, he's probably the best left-handed puncher I have ever seen. And that that was the real secret to his success along with his mentality and his will to win and, and so on, was that that straight left hand I, we've seen a lot of left-handed fighters, but that's not what they do. They, the left-handed fighters are, oh, they're going to try to outbox the other guy, to give him a lot of problems. But it gradually occurred to me that, uh, that Manny was beating him with a thousand cuts from his left hand. It still came as a shock when it actually happened, I think. I think it was very important in confirming him as an international figure and fighter. The best international fighter known in every corner of the planet was Muhammad Ali. And uh, suddenly this spunky little kid with a great smile beats up Oscar De La Hoya. Manny Pacquiao was now a bona fide boxing superstar, but his biggest nights were still ahead of him. In part two, we'll examine the fights that elevated him to legendary status and the end of a Hall of Fame career. That episode will post next week. Until then, thanks for listening to this Manny Pacquiao special retrospective edition of Showtime Boxing with Raskin and Mulvaney.